When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I'm a business owner here in the Chicagoland area. I own the Transworld Business Advisors of Naperville franchise. I am one of about six or seven in the greater Chicagoland area. I am also one of about 250 uh, offices worldwide. There are 600 agents that are doing mergers and acquisitions in what I would characterize the small and medium-sized market. So anything from mom and pops, the small uh, local shop that you see in your local neighborhood, uh, to the businesses that are probably upward to about $50 million. Our job is to work with business owners and uh, confidentially assist them sell their business and match them with qualified buyers. But I will tell you that of late, uh, some of these uh, owners are looking to expand via acquisition. So we also help them on the buy side as well. Other things we do are franchise sales. So any executive in transition or anyone for that matter looking to uh, buy a business using a, a franchise, we can help you with that. And we also do franchise development. So if you're a business looking to expand via the franchise model, United Franchise Group, the parent of Transworld, has put together probably 2,000 or more of them in its 40-year history. Sinorama is one of the pro most prolific names that is out there. So getting back to our uh, subject matter at hand, Building Better Businesses, this is a podcast series where we bring in subject matter experts and uh, those out there who uh, have been there and done that. And we cover the, a range of topics. And today I'm delighted that uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about hiring the right people. And uh, I'm delighted to have uh, a brother team. This is the second ever tandem that I have interviewed. I had one before. It was a husband and wife team. This is a brother team. So it is family related, if you will. So I'm delighted to welcome Dan and Eric Hoffman to the show. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us. You're going to have to coordinate how you can speak without speaking over one another. Eric, your comments first. Well, first and foremost, I, I challenge those who are out there buying franchises. What makes the big difference? It's the people, right? The people make the difference. And that's what our book is about. Finding, not settling, finding, motivating, and retaining top talent. So those people that you do find, how do you motivate them and keep them in high performance? So incredibly uh, appropriate for your business as well making the best franchise possible, go get the best talent. That's my initial And any opening commentaries there? Yeah, right on. Well, thanks, Steve, for having us here today. We, I'm a fan of your show. It's good. And, uh, you know, Eric and I started in a family business and built a 
trade show event business up to about 50 million and then we sold it. So we're kind of in your right in your your thing. And we worked for that company for about 18 years, building uh 500, 600 million dollar divisions for them. So we really had a lot of experience in hiring hundreds of people as we tried to build this big business out from the small business we started with. Right. Like you both have said, people are a critical component to building better businesses, whether in fact they're your own employees or engaging outside subject matter experts in the terms of consultants and contractors and whatnot. We're going to explore a little bit more about that in a moment, but I have to ask the magical question as I do with all my guests. We have to rewind the videotape, talk a little bit about your childhood. Now, which one of you two is older, by the way? I hate when you ask that question because he is. And that makes me him younger and me older. Yeah, but that's not the issue. The issue is where were you two born and raised? And uh, tell me a little bit about how your childhood paved the way for where you are today. Not only your childhood, but how your parents and any other family members kind of steered you to where you guys are today. Yeah, we had uh, we grew up in the Rochester, New York area upstate New York. And uh, our foundation was clearly set by my mother, our mother. Uh, She was a nurse and she had very high empathy and she was, it was very important for us. And when we, when we had fights or arguments or discuss issues or whatever, she would not tolerate constant bickering without understanding what each other's side was. And she was really tight with that. And it really helped us formulate our strategy for business and being empathetic, being authentic, real, if you will, to the employees that you work with, really understand what they're dealing with. It's funny in the in the last chapter of the book, uh, we talk about wisdom from mom's powder room. And there was three poems that were in her powder room <laughs> that really at the end of the book, we tell the story around those. And how that really shaped the way we do business and how that we have grown to this empathetic, emotionally intelligent sort of uh, take on business. And my dad was a big, you know, big personality. And that helped us learn that part of things. He, he was always the guy that had the fastest boat or the biggest TV. And we realized that the real purpose of that was to get people together, bring people together. It wasn't to, we thought it was because he was trying to be flashy, but it was really was, he was trying to bring people together. Everybody wanted to go to his house for Super Bowl, and everybody wanted to go down his, down the lake with his big fast boat. And, you know, it was, it was great growing up because we had these two really good coaches that helped us evolve. Well, that's, uh, that sounds good. And uh, you, co- you covered a couple of theme- themes that I'm sure you'll talk about them later on is in engaging and collaborating. But we'll talk a little bit more about that before I ask you to, did you ever envision that when you were young and growing up, that you two would be partnering together and working together at all? Every day, all the time. <laughs> we always knew it. It was inevitable. Uh, we were working together for before we, we sold our company. And then during, we collaborated a lot. And then coming out of this... We talked about writing a book for 10 years and we finally did it and, and we're thrilled to do it. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Your, uh, would you characterize your uh, subject matter expertise in human resources? Would it be talent acquisition? How would you describe what it is that you work with your clients on? What would you characterize that as? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we didn't grow up in HR. I mean, that's not our field. Our field was building businesses. And so always as a part of that, you had to work closely with your HR department, quite frankly. However, the, the real engagement is about leadership. It's, that's, it all starts with leadership. It, it's evolved with, and then leadership leads into management. 
Then management leads into, okay, what's the culture going to be like? And then culture leads into our policies. Will they match our culture or will they deviate from that? And so there's, there's all these different parts and pieces that go into play in the strategy behind building a business that accelerates their brand and accelerates their opportunities. Our business has always been around efficiencies and especially in the events business, but also when we looked at the way communication happens and, and there's a new generation, there's you know, the millennial group come up behind us and that everyone gets a ribbon sort of mentality and, and, and their moms and dads are fighting for them for the, to get the right, to get the A in school. Well, it's different now. So you've got to be a lot more emotionally intelligent with the way that you approach your teams. And we looked at a performance evaluation and, and people and, and how they succeed at a high level. And we adapted it to a vernacular that's very familiar. And on our bell curve, we've got five different uh, states of mind that we had. And from the far left, it just doesn't get it. That person is causing havoc and damaging your brand. What do we do with those people? How do we motivate them to, to high performance? One step up from that is doesn't care a little bit better may have been a high performer at one time, fall down the curve. The middle where the majority of your team is, we call it comfort zone. And comfort zone is people that are doing good work. They're just not raising the bar, so to speak. But they have times when they show greatness. One step up from that to high performance, energized. Think about when you when you came out of college or think about when you started a new job. You were so excited to go get it and solve the world's problems and, and high perform. That's where we want to get people. And the next final step is gets it. You're a problem solver. You're resilient. You understand uh, that failures shouldn't be a step backwards. They should be reviewed, studied to help you progress forwards. That's our bell curve. That's our five steps. And we believe very strongly that there is movement up and down the curve with all people. No one, no one person gets it all the time. They fall down the curve. How do you motivate yourself or how do you, are you motivated by a leader to get you back up? You know, that's an excellent point. Your five scale system there, as you got to, to the last two, uh, when you talk about energy, excitement, and problem solving, some of the themes that are emerging with all of my guests that I've had on this program is that you need a passion and you need to be willing to listen to critical feedback. And I always, I always uh, make the statement is that you should always receive critical feedback. It doesn't mean you always have to accept it, but the fact that you're willing to listen, I think that that's a key quality for successful leaders. And of course, the, the energy and the enthusiasm that you were talking about, passion drives success, I think. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. There's no question passion is, and like as Simon Sinek says, the why, you know, those things are really important in today's environment. And as Eric said, you can, no one stays in that high performance. I'd love to think we all do. We, we just have bad days. And so it could be weekly, monthly, daily, but you can be a very high motivated talent and lose a big account and fall down the curve, if you will, down to a place where you just don't care anymore. And unless that manager utilizes motivation techniques where it helps to move that person up. They delegate them, maybe a large potential account. Let's get you back in the game. Let's let's help you with your resilience. Like, let's get back up. It's okay. Failure is something we can learn from. Let's move forward. If your management is in the game and that, and they understand that, they will monitor it quickly. Now, on the other hand, we grew up where you got a 2.5 rating. It was below expectations. And then you had an argument for the entire time you had your, your, your review. You know, that doesn't, it doesn't work. You've got to create some candid conversations around comfortable verbiage that helps you learn and excel. 
Absolutely. Anything else to add, uh, Eric? And well, I love your comment about accepting constructive criticism because I'm telling, I just telling Dan this morning, I was on the golf course yet on Sunday with a friend of mine. He goes, the bell curve is out. It's all about the quadrants now. It's got to be in the, and I was like, I don't think so. And I kind of got it. Then I took a step back and I said to myself, wait a minute, lots of people use the quadrants. Let me listen to him. Let's, let's learn from him and learn how his aspect is. Dan and I talked earlier today and we were like, you know what? Let's apply our vernacular uh, gets it, doesn't get it, comfort zone, energized, doesn't care. And let's let's adapt that to a quadrant philosophy so that we can talk to multiple groups. So yeah, I agree 110% with your comment about taking constructive criticism and learning and moving forward. That's super important. And and I we did it yesterday. It was funny. <laughs> And I think I think you've answered this question, but I'll I'll ask it anyway. How did you find your success? Now, both of you are assisting business owners excel, particularly with talent. But how did you figure out that what you were doing was a successful venture for the both of you? Well, the first part was probably we were having a ball. Uh, you know, we we do a lot of video work uh, where we have adventures. We climb mountains and talk about career path. We we uh, did management with the NASCAR racing. We So we, we're doing experiences along where our discussions, not just we're sitting here at a desk and we're talking about things. We're actually out there experiencing things and, and applying them. Two days ago, we worked with Orange Theory on motivation because they're coaches. They know how to motivate people to get them into fitness. So that when you, when you have joy and love and passion, you're going to excel at it and you're going to do well. And so, and ultimately the, vi- the vision is creating a world where everybody gets it. And there's a page in the book where we say what a gets it day looks like. You know, you kind of show up for breakfast and, the, and your server knows how you like your coffee and how you like your eggs and everything works out great. And you go to work and your manager knows your goals and helps you get there. And the people that work for you and understand your vision and everything's great. That's our vision. We're going to create a world where everyone, imagine what a wonderful world it would be if everyone just were gets at people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me uh, or tell our audience a little bit about your ideal client. Are you looking for a particular industry? Are you looking for a particular size, particular organizational structure? Is it solopreneurs up to 30 employees? What, what, what is your sweet spot there, if you will? Yeah, you know, it ranges pretty dramatically. We work with some very large companies and we work with some smaller ones. As I said earlier, we grew up in family business, so we love that topic. And there is a lot of family businesses where multiple generations have grown up in the business and they only have vision for what they know. So bringing outside sources to have a discussion about, hey, how do we manage our personal relationships? How do we manage our business relationship? How do we do succession planning? How does that all work out? And how did you, meaning us, figure that out when you guys built this organization and then sold it to a, a bigger company and then continued working for that bigger company? When we sold, they were sure we were going to leave within four years. We stayed for 18 years after we sold the business because we found what we were looking for with the company that acquired us. That's an important part of family transitions in business. That's a tip there. Anything else to add there, Eric? And on the acquisition side, you mentioned it earlier, that was part of your business model. And everyone thinks, you know, running the numbers is the hard part. Oh, I got to make the deal. It's the deal. It's the deal. No, it's after the deal. It's the people. 
How are they going to react? How do they feel? What's their career path now redefined? You know, that's the hard part. The deal is the easy part, getting the people and, and keeping them on board, finding those people that bring high performance and of course, motivating them after an acquisition hugely. I've seen it done really well and we've seen it done not so well. So one of the first questions you asked, let's assume that your client is a uh, newly combined company, two companies that have merged together and they're theoretically a merger of equals. What are the first couple, three, four questions that you ask the management team to A, determine what the status is currently and what can take them to the next level? I don't know if this is too open-ended and might take too long, mm -hmm. but must be two or three or four key components with that first interview with that client of yours? Yeah, I think those that's a great question. The very first interview, a lot of discussion is around empathy. How does how does the organization feel about the this acquisition or this merger? You know, I, I know we, the example is 50-50, but it's really unusual it's 50-50. It's usually somebody's taking over the other one. If right. the if the one that has more money and more power has a philosophy that we are searching for this particular greatness. We have found it in this organization. If things were reversed, you would buy us, but we're lucky enough to have the wherewithal and the money to acquire you. But that doesn't mean we're smarter. In fact, I think you're smarter because if you if we didn't acquire you, we would have to do something else. And we've been trying to get into your market for 30 years and we can't get in there. That type of empathy talk puts everybody at ease. Whereas the opposite, you know, we're smarter because we bought you. That is just a complete disaster. You will not retain the talent, as Eric said, and it'll slowly like drift into a place where I'm just going to try to find another position. When you can keep your top talent in the company you acquired, you are always going to be successful. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, forgive me. I'm, I, I very rarely do this, but I'm actually going to read one of the questions that your PR far, firm sent me because I think it's a, a very interesting question and should create a lot of commentary. Uh, do you have an example of a dramatic story you can share where a client or client's family being blindsided by a huge loss? Now, this is something I don't typically ask, but I'm asking you, how did you confront a, a seemingly unsurmountable challenge and assist them to conquer that. I think that's what this question is, right? Yeah, that's a... Is it a financial loss or could it be a personal loss? What kind know, of loss do they... Very general. You pick it. You pick it. Operational. I, I got it. Yeah, he's got, got it. Dan's got it. I got, it. got Go this one. Shoot. Okay, so 2001, September, early September, we decide to sell our business. The closing date is 9-11. Oh, my. Nine o'clock in the morning, I am talking to all of our employees on a call. And my assistant comes into the office and says, you got to see what's going on on TV. It's nine o'clock, 9.15. And of course, everything was going down. We hadn't closed yet. But this was the, this was the announcement to the staff so they could prepare for this closing. This was when we were supposed to do it. Not before this date. This is the date. That afternoon, we were closing. I called the CEO of the company that was buying us. And there was no question in my mind that it was not going to work. It was not going to happen. And this man, I always knew had some integrity. But when he said to me, I believed in a, our industry before this day, and I believe in it now. And I believed in your company and my company before this date. And I believe in it now. And I know this is tragic for our, the world, but we're still going to go through this because we feel that strongly about the future of this business, of our business together. And we feel strongly about the potential of the country and its resilience. And that moment 
is the reason why Eric and I stayed with that company for 18 years after we sold our business. This was a man of great integrity. And there was many deals, as you can imagine, as you know, Steve, that didn't happen during that oh, yeah. time period. Absolutely. In fact, by far, they all didn't. And, and here, this man stood up. And that was when I really knew what integrity meant. I said I was going to do this. I'm going to do it. Oh, that's phenomenal. And, and at the core of values for that organization, one was integrity. And the, mm-hmm. they were very much into, we were there when their core values were established and evolved. And the employees were in, were, were part of that experience. And it made this, the company really strong. And when we had a leadership meeting, Dan, remember they said, uh, pick a core value and tell a story. And we picked integrity and we oh, yeah. told that story. And yeah. literally the CEO, tears in his eyes, HR people, tears. And I was there and people were like, I would remember I was there when that happened. And you're like, we're still here 15 years later. It was terrific. But, yeah, go ahead, finish. I'm sorry, but the, the, the essence of it, our CPL diagram is culture, policy, logic. It starts with any company's core values and being true to them makes them a gets it company. And this company was uh, had a core value of integrity and they certainly, um, uh, this leader, certainly showed his dedication to that core value with integrity. What I was going to ask while you were commenting there, that is such a monumental and unprecedented, and you could never predict this would ever happen event. I would imagine you need follow-up communication, reassuring. Integrity is critical. I totally agree with you. There's nothing that can replace the integrity of any individual, but in an environment where it seems like the world is literally falling apart. I would imagine you had to reinforce that a number of times to just to make sure it, number one, stayed consistent and you followed through on it. I, I can't believe it would have been otherwise. Yeah, it, it was uh, crucial. And that's, I think, when we learned the hard way, how important the transition of an acquisition is. And everybody thinks it's involved in the acquisition. They think that, oh, it was all me that did this. I came up with the price. And oh, it was all me that I did the legal documents. Oh, okay, that's true. But now we have to transition that. If we don't transition this well, it won't work. And that takes a lot of effort and a lot of discussion. And, and we believe it's personal discussion, face-to-face environments, you know, not uh, it can't be done via email. It really can't. You can set up events for email, even Zoom calls, whatever you, whatever tool you use. But you have to have multiple ways of communicating. And it isn't just sending out an email saying, oh, aren't we great? Look what we did. That doesn't do it. Yeah. Eric, anything else to add there? No, I think my brother nailed that one. That was good, that was, that, <laughs> See, he nailed it. That's how we get along so well. <laughs> so we're going to go into your book now. And the title of your book is Who Gets It? how to find, motivate, and retain top talent. Now, you told me, one of you told me, it took you 10 years to write that book. Is that correct? I think it was 10 years. We talked talked about it for 10 years. Oh, okay. So the reason why I asked that question, because my first book, I wrote it and then took a two-year break and then went back in and rewrote the whole thing. Now, you're telling me it was an idea in the making, but took 10 years to happen. Because if you write a book 10 years ago, you're talking about old brick cell phones, right? And you're not talking about social media where it is today. But but so, so that's a better perspective in terms of understanding how that process worked. But what are the key themes that, uh, and and it clearly, who gets it, how to find, motivate, and retain top talent? That's critical. I know a lot of us suffer from that because, you know, hiring someone 
is probably easy, but keeping them on board and motivating, that's kind of more of the challenging part. You guys tell me where you want to go with that, but it's, uh, it's, it's clearly a critical component for success. It is. Absolutely. Go ahead, Garrick. Uh, I was going to say, absolutely. That's funny that when the book, uh, 10 years in the making, we would just, we had used the vernacular, that guy gets it. Oh, Dan, don't worry. That guy gets it. Like that he knew, okay, that I can give him a leadership role. Maybe we in the trade show environment, in the events environment, we'd have hundred people working for you at one time. You figure out who gets it and who doesn't get it. Who needs a lot of supervision? Who doesn't need any? Uh, so that was really critical. So as we we start to write traits down and start to track this over a long this long period of time, and then when we finally um, right before twenty twenty. We were like, let's do this. We've been talking about it for 10 years. Why what's wait? What are we waiting for? 2020 happens, right? What better time to do write a book than 2020? Shut the doors and write a book. And that's how we, we got there. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with the book? What color is your parachute? No, I'm not. But I'm writing Even, it down. Yes. It's it's what color is your parachute? The only reason why it stands out in my mind, it's a book about networking to get your next job. And if you go in and look up that book, it has been revised almost annually for 20 or 30 years. So you guys can put out a second or third edition of your book. But let's talk a little bit about the uh, gets it person, okay? The other question I see in one of your prep materials that I have is that how does someone get to be a gets it person? And you probably have described it along the way during the first part of our interview here, but what is it that we've missed that fits into the quote, gets it person? Yeah, I think that uh, it's really, it's absolutely essential that the person understands problem solving. There, There are people that come into an environment and they're upbeat and they're ready to move mountains, but they're also down to earth where they can sit and understand what the objectives are, what the goals are, and how can we apply the talent that we have, that that the person has, or the the group has, or team has, to recognize how we are going to move this monster forward. And, you know, what you find is that if you are hiring 50, 100, 600 people as as your business grows, and you can keep them on that same track. Like you look for those type of people that are energetic, that are ready to go. They don't have to be extroverts. They just have to be prepared to move when they need to move the engine that they're going to be moving. You will have a slew of people that are talented. But as Eric said earlier, that can be a lot of work. I mean, there's you still need some core people that are just getting the job done too. It's just that what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to understand where people are at any one time and to motivate them up. And, and motivation comes in a lot of ways. Uh, we were talking yesterday about motivating with metrics. People fear metrics sometimes, but if you really look at a metric, if a metric measures the sales revenue, that's a way I can prove my value. So it gets a person looks for ways to prove their value by a metric, not fear is it. And that's right. you know an important facet of it. Eric, anything yeah. to comment there? I'm sure you must have a couple of pieces of input. Absolutely. Two things that come to mind, resiliency, you know, I think we mentioned earlier, learning from mistakes, celebrating failures. Okay, this went wrong. If you're a gets a person, you take chances, you take risks. And when it doesn't work out, you learn from it, document and move forward. Uh, You don't hide from it. And the other thing is having your antennas up, having your antennas up at all time and being aware of your surrounding and where to go back to the problem solving, where do problems exist? Uh, you know, I went to the Raiders uh, football game on Saturday night here in Las Vegas, and it's the first event ever, you know, and my I drive my kids crazy because I, I walk into any environment. I'm like, 
the log jam is over here. And I'm trying to tell people, you know, explain it. And then my, my kids are like, well, yeah, come on. But I can't help myself. I see these problems and I'm like, there's, you need a sign out here or you need a person out here because everyone's going the wrong way. Like help. And that's, that's also attached to, to uh, karma, I believe. And if you help people along the way, someone's going to help you along the way. So have your antennas up, be aware of your surroundings, do good, be a gets it person in environments that aren't financially incentivized. How about that? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, there are a couple more items here that I don't know if we'll have time to get into because we're getting near the end of our comment period or our Q&A period. But uh, there's a concept called good training here in your cheat sheet, as well as conflict resolution. Any kind of summary comments are on those two items in terms of the gets it person? Yeah, we, we went to a boxing ring. To do Don't tell mom. <laughs> do conflict resolution. We went to a boxing ring and we learned from boxers. We had the lightweight, lightweight champ there. We had uh, the guy that uh, runs this boxing establishment. He did it for kids that have to get a place where they can get out their aggressions. And fabulous place. Real great guy. It's called City Boxing in Las Vegas. And we really learned a lot on how they deal with conflict. And we found that there's about, there's different conflicts that happen. There can be the bully, the person that just, no matter what you say, they reply and, you know, uh, what a win. smarter, you know, yeah. there can be the, the um, person that gives into everything. You ask him this to say, yes, 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 yes. And, and there's no success in that kind of conflict resolution and word gets out. The person just says, yes. So just go in there and ask her a race. And then ultimately you get to a place where it's about understanding both sides, working together for resolution, not being afraid of conflict, but bringing it out. And always when done correctly, it improves the relationship with those two people every single time. But if they go in thinking I'm 90% and that person's 10%, right? Then yeah, it's going to continue to be a conflict for a long time. Yeah. So an understanding of how our personalities work is super important. That Good points. Good points. Last but not least, uh, there are two things. Number one, we're going to ask you how to find out more about you. But before we do that, is there anything we haven't covered in terms of building better businesses from your perspective that we haven't covered that you want our audience to know about? I would say, you know, listening to the frontline workers, I think that's critical. Those people in our CPL diagram, we have culture and then policy is the second ring. And then logic is the final ring. And the logic is the way the customers are treated, their ability to communicate back to the company. If you have uh, inability for managers to make decisions, to make a customer happy that are uh, small and monetary value, we did we did AT&T as an example. This manager of an AT&T store couldn't give a $35 approval to, to make a decision, to make a customer happy. Come on. Let's let's empower people at the front lines to represent the core values of the company and what they're doing. So listen to your, be true to your core values. And if they don't work, then they need to either change or your policies need to change. But if you don't represent yourself in your core values at the foundation, you're not going to be the gets a company. Sounds terrific. Well, gentlemen, I think we are just about it. So who's going to tell me where to find more information about, I'm sure we can find both of you on the same website, <laughs> same link. Who's going to give that to me? I'll give that to you. Our link is getsitguys.com. Hello at getsitguys.com. We'll go right to our ourselves. And we our book, Who Gets It?, is available on Amazon and also on our website. And we just hit international bestseller in, what, two categories, two business categories, right, Eric? Yeah, yeah. 
So, and then right uh, we're on LinkedIn. We're putting all our videos on LinkedIn. We did a video recently about getting people back from post coronavirus and out of unemployment and how to do that. And we we're going to release a new one we did with Orange Theory last week with a new customer virus. So we're excited about it, about how to motivate people. Good uh, to so know. Lots, well, lots of fun so videos. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Thanks, gentlemen, for your uh, sharing your uh, insights and your tips and uh, recommendations. And uh, audience, thank you again for listening. And be sure to stay tuned for another edition of Building Better Businesses. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele which in turn will build you a better business.